0: Or verse 16, continuing on in our series uh, called Vessels, as we continue through the book of 2 Corinthians, we actually just went through um, that, the whole earthen vessels, right? Uh, That that we're made of these jars of clay, these pots, and and we're pressed and we're crushed. And yet God is, we're pressed and we're perplexed and all these different things. Life gets hard, but God sustains us. The gospel sustains us. We are made to stand in the midst of struggles, the midst of trials. And it's going to kind of be continuing on in that theme as we uh, finish up chapter 4 and and start into chapter 5. So let's pray and we'll get started. Um, Lord, we thank you so much this morning for, um, being able to gather together, um, for being able to, uh, get into your word. We pray that you'd speak to us by your word, that you'd give us eyes to see and ears to hear, that you would, um, just be moving and working and giving the word to whoever's here, whatever it is that, uh, we need to hear that we would be able to hear it from you, God, that you just would touch us and, and use this time. We praise you and, and thank you for what you've done, what you're going to do, in the process of doing, and we uh, just say, just move here in our midst, God. We're open, and so we pray these things in Jesus' name, Amen. All right. So, Second Corinthians chapter four, verse sixteen. All right. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed. Day by day. And actually the beginning of this chapter, Paul says the same thing. We don't lose heart. We do not lose heart. Um, losing heart is, is obviously like, kind of like the end of it all, right? As soon as you lose hope or you lose heart, all morale goes downhill, right? You can see that's something even with our team, our softball team. You, you can't lose hope. You can't lose heart. Because as soon as it goes bad and you stop believing, it's over. The whole thing falls apart, you know, it's like, Oh, here we go again. It's like, well, that's a self-fulfilling prophecy because you gave up and now you've lost heart. And now, but there's something about not giving up and believing until the end that there is something bigger going on and that there's always a chance for something better to come. Well, with with God it's like we should never give up right remember because God raises the dead he's able to raise the dead he's able to heal the sick right he's able to to make the lame walk he's able to make the the blind see those who can't speak to be able to speak so there's really never a reason that we shouldn't have hope and this is all in light of even though we're we're pressed we're not crushed We're perplexed. We're not in despair. We're persecuted, not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Like God is proving that he's able to sustain us through like really, really hard seasons. Like going through hard things, he's able to make you endure, help you to get through it. And and even though all odds say you're going to be crushed, you're not. So we don't lose hope because he's with us because he is all we need. There's something about having people on your side and having people who have your back. That's a good feeling. But there's nothing more important than God having your back, than him being with you. Because him plus you equals win, you know? Like, that's a good thing. You're where you're supposed to be. And so we don't lose heart thinking about these things. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. We suffer, we struggle, we're put under tremendous pressure, but he's with us and he's working in the midst of all of this. Is there an amen? Can somebody speak to this? Can you guys, you guys know what I'm talking about? Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Even though we, are, we feel the pains of this world and the struggles of this world and the effects of this world, it's taking its toll on us, but yet we're being renewed because our inward man is being renewed day by day. This is not automatic. Not everyone who goes through struggles will end up being renewed day by day. You know that's true? The way you're renewed day by day is you look to Him to renew you. You trust him to to sustain you and you say this season I'm in is brutal (laughs) I'm not enjoying this right now but you have a good purpose in this and I don't want to miss out on that suffering is common to all but what about the inward man being renewed is that common to all? no right we all suffer everyone goes through stuff every person in here could could tell some stories that would have us all bummed out right like everyone's going through has gone through will go through something right it's just part of life right cuz if nothing else we we live in a world where there's death and you lose people you know and they and, and you don't know which way kids are going to go and you don't know which way you know like th- your life's going to go like you might be in an accident or you might you know all these different things that can come and and can seemingly rip everything away from you. But yet, if we can trust God through this, we can see He is able to renew us in the inner man day by day. And I think it's interesting it says day by day because it, it is a day by day process, isn't it? It's not like an all of a sudden you arrive thing. Good habits are made in a day by day setting, aren't they? Right? You do it every day. You start doing stuff and implementing it and making it a habit. It's, it's That's how it's sustained if you just come in and go okay well um i want to be you know a really good runner so i guess i'll run a marathon today even though i've never ran you know because that's where i want to get i'm going hardcore i'm going all at it 26 miles today let's do this and then i'll run it again you know whatever tomorrow and it'll be you go straight to 26 miles your toenails are falling off and you're you know what kind of special shoes that's just prissy you know stuff i'm running in vans, it's like your feet might not even be there in 26 miles. Like it's who knows what it's going to look like. It's going to be really a a big mess, but it's to to do that, to run a marathon. There's a training program, isn't there? And you start small. You don't start with big miles and you work up and you keep going, but it's all about the day by day disciplines and the day by day uh, implementing these things. So you go I, How am I renewed day by day? I go to the Lord day by day. That's where like the reading plan comes in. Kind of like why I signed up to do this for the year, so I go day by day, and every day I go, I get something. And before I know it, without even really realizing it, I am changing. And and by the way, before you realize you're changing, everyone else will realize it too. They're gonna be like they're gonna see it, and they're gonna go, "What is that? You were the worst." And that's always fun when people tell you that, by the way. Because they think that it's good news to hear that you're not the worst anymore. But you're like, I didn't need to know I was the worst. I've actually had people say that. They're like, you were like one of the, you were like one of the worst people I met in high school. And you're like, that seems harsh. Like, there's a lot of really bad people there. I guess this person, I must have done something. I don't know. I don't know why is it like this. But... You didn't have to say the worst, okay? You could say, I've seen a change in you. It's like, this is, I don't need the full anyway. But there is a change that happens in you, but it is in that part of that day-to-day making it a priority. You, we know this. Day-to-day is what works, right? You say, oh, my new diet plan is I don't eat one day a month and I do whatever I want the rest. That's not going to work, right? I starve myself for one whole day. And then everything else works. It might be a diet plan now. I don't know. Maybe it does, but I doubt it. You know how it is. It's a day-by-day making good decisions, right? And slowly but surely, it works. It takes a long time to put it on. Sometimes it takes a long time to take it off. But it's a day-by-day process. But listen to the way he describes this. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment... Is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Light affliction um, sounds like, Paul, you don't know what I'm going through. Paul, you don't understand what's on my plate right now. Light affliction, maybe for you, not for me, okay? Because you could say light, when somebody says something is light or something is easy or something's mellow, it's all very relative, isn't it? To them, you'd think, right? Like, what's, what's light for the world's strongest man? Very heavy for everyone else, right? Oh, today's my light day. You know, I'm squatting 750 pounds, you know. Today's my light day. Oh, if it's your light day, I guess I could jump in. Not, not really, right? But he, Paul's saying, like, I can say a light affliction because really Paul was the heavyweight champion of his day of suffering, And he could say, I've been through a lot, and we're going to see it later in the chapter. Like, remember, Paul actually gave up a life that was very prominent as a religious leader because he met God personally and then was willing to constantly give up his life for Jesus to be poor, to, to work hard, to have people hate him who he loved very much, to have to write letters where he defends himself like this. He's like, I understand affliction, but it is so light. And he uses a weight term. It's so light. This is a light affliction, which is but for a moment. There's an idea of why it's a light affliction. It's for a moment. You go, not my affliction, Paul. Again, you with your easy afflictions. Super light for a moment. Okay, cool, Paul. It was not for a moment. We know that Paul was imprisoned for years. We know he was in hard situations over and over again. So it was not for a moment in our understanding. But in the eternal sense, it was but for a moment. Is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Can you see he's saying like the, the light, little light affliction is working for us a far more exceeding. I don't think Paul was like a guy who would like try to pump it up higher than it should be. But he's like, just so you know, this is not even in the same category. A far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So what this says is that our light affliction or our suffering that happens here on earth is something that, that affects eternity in, our, in us as we continue to trust him. Our light affliction is, is but for a moment. And it's, and it's in comparison to eternity, it's, it's light. In, in, in comparison to the weight of glory in Christ, it's light. So if you're like, I'm suffering and I keep on suffering, you're in good company one of the hardest things is we we look at like christianity and we think it has to fit with um the american way which is you know we're just we're here to be happy it's like i hate to break it to you but that's not what's here joy yes peace yes which are things you can't get necessarily even being happy being happy is very fleeting you can be happy and then you can be sad right you eat a happy meal and afterwards you're sad right Maybe not. I don't know. You can be happy. You can be sad. You can be all over the map. You know, we have this funny, it's a video of... um, Canon and Violet when they were really little and Violet's three she's, it was her birthday so she comes out and she's so happy it's her birthday like she's just she lives for this kind of stuff you know and she comes out and and she, we're all singing happy birthday to her and uh, Tori says give Canon a kiss you know like give him a hug and a kiss and she kisses him and she says I kiss his tummy because she's so much shorter than him so she kisses Tommy as he hugs her and he says yeah that's because you're so little and you see her she goes she gets all upset, and then she's like, but it's your birthday. And, and Tori like immediately knows to redirect it, and she goes, yeah. And she could like immediately shoots right back into the happy zone. It was like a, a very drastic dip, and then straight back up. We knew how to pull her out of that tailspin of him telling her that she's little. And he knew what he was doing, even on her birthday. Oh, uh, yeah, because you're so little. That's why you kissed my tummy. You can't even get up here. You know, look where I am up here anyway, but it was that, it was that like, Oh, waves of emotion, you know, and you definitely see it with kids and adults too. So, um, it's easy to get caught in that. Right. But to understand, like it is so much more than that. There's something being built in us that is so much greater than anything that we can manufacture here on earth. And it comes in the midst of affliction and suffering So verse, uh, or or there's a a quote by G. Campbell Morgan. He says, affliction is not something to be endured in order to reach glory. Glory. It is a very process which creates the glory. Through travail comes birth. I don't like that, right? Like, it's like, just get me through this so that, so that you can give me something good at the end. So I can get my sticker that said that I did it. Well, the, the thing is, is that when you go through affliction, when you go through trials, go even through temptations, we're told even in James to count it all joy when our faith is tested. Because what do you find out? That when you're pressed you're not crushed. Because God is with you. You you know, like, how lonely is it to think that there's no help besides me? I'm the only one. I am in charge of myself, and no one is there to help me. It's just me. I'm all alone. But to find out that God can help you through the darkest season of your life, that is where you start getting it. That is where you start to understand it. And you don't look at it like, oh, man, everything is... Everything was always good, and then now all of a sudden things are bad, and it's like, where is he? He's there. He's trying to take you deeper, to show you things that, are, that have eternal weight of glory. So if you think about the, the pain that is suffered, is nothing in comparison to what is gained in the end, but what is gained is gained through the pain. We have a perfect example. Childbirth, Right? There is a pain that is involved. But what comes through that pain is something that is so much greater than the pain. Yeah, guy, say it, man. You know the pain that was suffered. Well, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Most of you have more than one kid. So it was, you know, you decided it was worth it to have more than one. But there's something... In that right, it's it's not just oh uh, made it through that trial. Okay, now give me my glory. Now 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 give me like what you want to give me. Now now bless me because I did it. No, it's like in the midst of that you start realizing man, God is true, and, and you start realizing His promises are true, and He's able to take you through and sustain you and give you what you need. And even though it's extremely uncomfortable, because being pressed is un- uncomfortable, being perplexed is uncomfortable, being um you know. Persecuted is uncomfortable, yet he sustains us. So if you're in a season of uncomfortable right now, God is doing something in you if you look to him. Otherwise, you waste it. Otherwise, you just make it, uh, I'm going to numb out. I'm not going to deal with any of it. I'm just going to keep going. I don't want to have to worry about this. I don't want to deal with it, whatever. Verse 18, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal we don 't look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. The things which are seen are in front of us that 's like you can 't not see it right I mean we have all these things in front of us trying to entice us, and there 's ads and there's, and there 's all you know, marketing and and it all shows up, and you know you, you happen to like mention um, something about a barbecue and it shows up on your feed and, you know, there's just constantly being bombarded by what is around us. But we've got to be the ones like Paul says to not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen to see beyond this, because this doesn't have any answers. Look around. The man has become so smart. We've got it all figured out and we are more depressed than ever. We're more riddled with problems than ever. Because we've lost sight of who we are, right? And, and, and that's normal for man, but we've got to find that there's something better than that. It's him. We've got to find Jesus. It's him. He came. And he came to not take us out of the world and give us his perfect life. We're flying private jets from island to island. That is not the life Paul lived. That's not the life Jesus lived. But it's to endure through these things and to grab people and take them with us to show them that there's a way that's better than this. That there's, a, that there's things that are unseen that are more real than the things that are seen which is in front of you. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I have it written in my notes. Expand your vision. You know, if, if it was your first time at Disneyland, you might be amazed at the tram. And you might think it's a ride. You wait in line long enough for it, right? You sit there, wait in line, and then all of a sudden you get on it, and the kids are like, yeah, this is a ride. You're like, you have no clue what's to come. Many more lines. <laughs> and yet, many more rides. But to it's to see the tram and to be on the outside and to never enter the gates might be tempting. I just like this ride. I don't want to go on another ride. I just like this ride. That ride's no. Those are, who knows what's in there? But that's, I like this one. You're like, can I tell you, you're not on a ride at all? This is just to get you from Chip, the, you know, Chip parking lot, you know, or Mickey and Friends to try and get over to the main gate, okay? We spent $7,000 for these tickets and we're going in, okay? I know we paid fifty for parking, but that was it. You know, let's get in there. This tram ride's expensive. Sorry, it's been a minute. It's probably more than that now, isn't it? But to expand your vision to see the things which are not seen, which are over the things which are seen, just because it's in front of you doesn't mean it's what's best, right? It's ch- you could find the cheap knockoffs. You could find the the uh, the things that they, they mock and mimic the real thing, but they are not the real thing. So Paul's trying to remind the Corinthian church who was extremely obsessed with the world that they lived in and, and liked keeping all of that around. They keep them, you know, just keep on doing the same old thing. Keep on being in the world and living like the world and, and try and mix some God in there every once in a while. Yeah, we like, yeah, Jesus is totally cool. We'll hang out with him in heaven, but in the meantime, we got something going here too. He's like, you guys don't even, see, you can't even see it. And that's what's, that is part of that veil or that covering where you can't see the truth for what it is. That's why we, as those who can see it, if you can, if you can't, then ask God to show it to you, to reveal it to you, for you to be able to see that there's more going on here than just what you see here on this earth. Verse one, chapter five. For we know that if our earthly that if our earthly house, this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal and in the heavens. Here's a great picture and perspective on the matter. This life, our bodies we have now, it's called a tent. Tents are great. We're going to family camp. I love tents. I don't want to live in a tent forever. Okay, matter of fact, like I don't want to live in it for very long at all, to be honest, like have you ever done that where you've done a camping trip that was just too long, and you're just like, this camping trip was five days too long, and it's and it's only been a, it's a six day trip no, I'm just kidding, but like when you realize you're like, this was too long, it's hot, it is tent is not where I want to be in right now, you know um but there we We always, this, I, the times I always felt like this was when we used to take the kids to, uh, churches, uh, for the junior high beach camp, right? Where we go to surf camp and they'd say, oh, we got the tents. Don't worry. They're all set up and you get there and you find out what these tents have holes in them that all of them have holes in them. Oh, here's an air mattress. And it's like flat. You look at it and it flattens out and there's sand everywhere. It's like no escaping sand for a week, right? It's like you're stuck. And you're like, which tent is this? And you open it and you're like, the zipper doesn't work. It's fine. It's fine. If you see a squirrel, just kick it and then they'll leave eventually, you know, don't have any food in there. Make sure you don't have any like thing on your face or anything. They'll eat that off, you know, if it's there. Um, Not really. But like the tents literally had like gaping holes in them. And you start to realize like this is not how I want my life to be for long. I can endure this for the love of the junior high kids. And I mean, it's a great spot here at the beach. Sure. I can't live like this forever. And, and what makes tent camping great is the fact that you get to go home to not a tent at the end. Right. I mean, like I love camping. I really do. I love being in nature, but there is something about once you get home and especially once everything is put away and you take a shower and you're like, my house is awesome. I love this place. (laughs) There's my bed in a different room, you know. There are rooms here. There's a kitchen that doesn't have yellow jackets swarming around it, you know. Well, I mean, you you guys know. I love camping. Go to family camp, please. It's going to be really fun. I really do. I love camping. But like, but there is something about it where you're like, I love this for like three days. I can't do this forever. And so we have this picture of our bodies being a tent that is temporary, And tents break down, don't they? The more they're exposed to the elements, uh, it starts tearing them down. More and more and more. And all of a sudden, it always starts with a zipper, though, doesn't it? It's always first a zipper. There's a zipper, then there's a little hole, and then you find out that water-resistant doesn't mean waterproof. Right? That actually now there's something coming through, liquid coming through. And it all starts falling apart, and you start realizing, this tent that I love so much is no longer as good as I thought it was. And it's a, and it's a good perspective to understand, okay, man, this, this thing that we have right now is, is going to be destroyed. It's going to be put away because it's, man, we've, we're feeling it, the effects, Life has wear and tear on us. We weren't made for this forever, but we have a building from God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. So there's something else out there that is so much greater than here. Something that we were made to be in forever, beyond just a week, beyond just three days, forever, where you go and it's made for you and it's, it's actually, it's better than home. Maybe many people in the great Spurgeon quote, many people uh, are in a great fright about the future. Yet here is Paul viewing the worst thing that could happen to him with such complacency that he likens it to nothing worse than pulling down of a tent in which he was making shift, uh, making shift to reside for a little season. So basically what he's saying is like, everyone freaks out about everything. And Paul's like, if I die, then that just means I put away my tent and I go home. <laughs> Time to go. Paul made this very clear over and over again. So the thing that you fear most in this world is someone taking your life from you. Well... If, all you, if that's the plot or lot that's been cast to you and that's the way it goes, if you know him, if you know Jesus, then you have a home in eternity that is so far greater than this. That's why Paul was fearless. That's why he was willing to walk back into the city that tried to stone him to death. That's why he was willing to stand up in front of officials and rulers and tell them, I don't care what you say, I'm talking about Jesus. You understand? Like him, he's the one I care about. I, I want to honor God, not man, because you, can't, you can tear down my tent, but I got a house in heaven. You can take everything away from me. And, and maybe my tent starts ripping earlier than your tent. And that's not fair. We both have the same tent. At the end of the day, you know, that just might mean that your camping trip's over earlier Sometimes we'll end up leaving earlier than other people if you're camping. And, and you're always like, man, I shouldn't have left as early or whatever. And then you get home and you think they're still there and they got to pack up. And I'm home. So I did. I, that was a good one. You know, like, so Paul, he had that mindset. Like, man, I got there. I'm home and I, I can go home. And that's, that's where it's waiting for me. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we are in uh, this tent grown. We who are in this tent grown. Being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed. That uh, mortality may be swallowed up by life. What he's saying is, is like, we groan because there's something in us that knows there's got to be more than this. A lot of times you work for what? Your retirement. And you're like, okay, I got there. Retired. I can't do the things I wanted to do, (laughs) you know, or, or man, I finally got here. Well, you got to get to that next step. And I got to get to that next step It is so much better to live in a way where you're just like, heaven is my home. Heaven is my is where it's all going to be this side of eternity. There's always going to be growing pains. There's always going to be struggles. There's going to be this groan of us that that's looking for eternity that is actually in all of us, whether we realize it or not. We're all looking for fulfillment, and we're longing for it. He's saying, if, if, if "Once I get to heaven, I'll be clothed with n- not mortality, but like immortality. Heavenly clothed, like I'll be what I'm supposed to be. I'll be my body will be what it's supposed to be. You guys know in heaven, it's not we're not just like spirits. There are bodies that were like redeemed bodies. Even the idea of of a of the body was not." wrong in and of itself, right? God created us in that sinless place. Originally, there was bodies, right? And then sin came and the whole effects of sin, which is what? What's the effect of sin? It's death. And so death has reigned from Adam to Moses. And now we have life in Jesus that says, no, you don't live forever here, but you will live forever with him. So we have this fulfillment of of this, this, this beautiful truth and this beautiful promise that we will be with him and that all the things that are unsettled here on earth and all the things we struggle with, and we all struggle with stuff. If you ever get to talk with people or they ever get to talk with you, you realize we're all absolutely crazy in some way or another. It's just a matter of finding out which, where it is. You've got to find it in that nook and cranny and... So you go, I'm marrying this person because they are just perfect. And you're like, oh, no. You don't know yet that they're crazy. And so are you. You're going to have to find that out someday. And that's going to be a bad day. So maybe you should like kind of probe a little. That's kind of premarital counseling a lot of times. you You kind of like probe and you go, you kind of hit on something and the other person like sits there and goes, what? You thought that? Like... That's, that's weird. I didn't know that about you. And they're like, oh, oh yeah, totally. I believe in aliens. I I saw them coming down a few minutes ago, actually. And they go, oh no, that's not good. Wait, you wanted me to become just like your mom? I didn't know that. That's kind of a weird thing. Um, uh, Should we talk about this more? No, figure it out later. no, 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 no. Let's find some crazy right here. And then we can, you can go to your house and you can go to your house and you can think about the decisions you're about to make right now. Can you handle it? Because once you say you can, you can. That's it. They're, they're yours. This is now your problem. And the parents might even say that to you. You know, here you go. She's yours now. She's, or, you know, hey, honey, thanks for taking my son off my hands. But we're all a little crazy in one way or another. You're going to find that out. And, and the funny thing is you you don't know where yours is because you, yours isn't crazy. Yours is right. Everyone else is though. And then they have to all go, oh boy, that was an interesting conversation with you. But we, we have that in us that, you know, something about us. We all have weird stuff. We all have these things that are, that are, that we struggle with and, and things that we have fears about or, or things that we're awkward about, you know, and, and we're, because we're not perfect, and, and sometimes, you know, some people might struggle with doubt and some people might struggle with, um, you know, feeling down and out. And some people might struggle with um, living so fast that they never can think because they don't want to think because they might be down and out, you know, or somebody, whatever it is, there's things that, that we have to deal with here on this side of eternity that are going to be dealt with once we're fully clothed with, without the mortality where there's no pain, there's no suffering, I think one of the things that that is actually a major hindrance to us, I was thinking about this those who live here and man it's we live in the United States, which is great, you know um and we live in in San Diego and we live in north San Diego, and that's the beach, and the weather is good, and you know everyone's beautiful, and everything's perfect, right. And sometimes we can forget, and or or try to like let go the the fact that we are groaning for something more than this. You know, people who are in the middle of war torn jungles, they have a, a a more a little bit more of a glimpse of like how desperate they are for something else. Sometimes for us, it's like. My life is pretty good. It's nothing in comparison to what you, you're longing for, what you're ultimately longing for. And because and, part of the problem is in the way we live here is that you might not think you have it. Because we all know our life isn't perfect. But you might think that there's someone else in your life that does. Uh, if, if I was just like that, it would be good. Or if I was acted like them, then I'd get it. But suffering is a great reminder for us that we don't want to be here forever. That this isn't home. This isn't heaven. This isn't where we want to be for the rest of our lives. This place is full of pain and suffering. Don't numb out. Grow. Don't try and numb it out. Grow. Grab the pain and let God use it as a tool in your life. And in doing so, it's, we'll, we'll, we'll see him working out something so beautiful in us. Now, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has also given us the spirit as a guarantee. God is, it's all his ideas. Isn't that cool? Like he's the one who set this whole thing up. And if you wonder if God is, is worthy of trusting with his plans, think about how he designed the mountains. Think about how he designed the ocean. Think about how he made the... the Remember all the things that man creates as pales in comparison to the beauty of what he's made, even the desert right barren desert, man, you go out the desert early in the morning or or as the sun's setting, and you're like, "This is so beautiful, and it's so like, "Oh, this is awesome." You see the creatures, all the different creatures he's made and and they're so like vibrant and, you know, like a leopard or something. You're like, that is so cool. Ooh, these wild birds in the rainforest. You know, it's like, man, he is, he is able. And he's keeping everything sustained. has the, the tides and the moon and everything. is. We're just close enough to the sun, but just far enough away too. And it's all so important and he's holding it all together. And this is his idea. He's prepared for us the very thing, this very thing. And He's given us His Spirit as a guarantee. The Holy Spirit is a guarantee, as a down payment. Hey, I'm coming back for you. I put the money down. You're on layaway. You know, I'm coming back. You, this, is, this, is, this is part of it, okay? You're getting a glimpse. I'm coming back for the whole thing. So, uh, we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. This is, this is not the goal of eternity, but this is where we are to be used, right? Like, so we're confident knowing that while we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. Meaning, when we're here, we're not there. And, and while we're here, we walk by faith and not by sight. That was interesting when I was uh, studying on this. Faith will not be necessary in heaven, will it? Like, do you believe in God? You're like, yeah, that's him. That So yes, I do believe in God. Do you trust him? Oh, yeah. Do you fear him? Oh, yeah. Do you love him? Y- yes. Do you worship him? Yeah, actually, I need to get back to that. You know, like, it, it's going to be very... But here on earth... We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. And and that faith is valuable. So the sufferings we endure, the things we go through when we choose to trust God here on this side of eternity, this is our only chance to exercise this stuff. And and as we do this, we have the opportunity to minister to people and we will be given gifts and, and blessings because of it. So in a sense, you only have so long to be tested. To endure. That's why our our football coaches used to always say, when when your senior year is over, you don't play in college, it's over. So you need to invest now. You need to work so hard now. You need to be all in now. You're at workouts five days a week so that when the season comes, you're ready. And when you go out there, you you left it all on the field and you don't look back and say, I could have given more. I could have done more because they're looking at you and they're like, you will regret it forever. And then it's going to bother you. And then you will become a coach. And then you will have to live vicariously through your students. Believe me, I know from experience. You're like, okay, you know. But there's only so much time. And, And you know what? really preparing for a season of football is pure suffering honestly like you're like oh, that's not the big no, it really is i was just thinking about it. i think I was talking to jet about it it's like one day you lift super hard for an hour and a half this is in the summer in the inland empire you lift for an hour and a half and then you do plyometrics and you do sprints and then the next day you do it and then you run two miles and they alternate days right it was like this is my summer plan you know Go out and work out super hard for what? I don't know. It's not even it's man. It's not mandatory. It's you know you could do it if you want. Whatever, voluntary. But but those were the things you do. You suffer and suffer and suffer so that you can look back with no regrets. Because there will be a place where we're rewarded for what we've done here on this side. You know, on this side of eternity. We'll be rewarded in heaven for that. And we'll be able to look back and we'll be able to see like what was actually God doing something in our lives versus us just kind of like, you know, yeah, kind of, God was pretty cool. Me and him were pretty tight. Jesus was my homeboy. I had the hat, you know. But we we get to walk by faith and not by sight and to, in a sense, suffer for a greater cause that, you know, but I'll tell you what, during the season, when we went to my, my junior and senior year CIF championship games, you were so grateful that you suffered for when the time came, you were ready and your legs were still working and you weren't cramping and you were, you know, when you went home, that was another thing, right? But it was that suffering, it was that preparation that prepared you. And there was, there was like no regrets. Like I did the best with what I had, you know, like some people might've been better and stronger and faster, but I put in effort and did what I could with what I was given. I'll never be a Greg Laurie. No one, you don't need to be, you know, like you need to be you. I can never be Chuck Smith. You don't need to be Chuck Smith. You need to be you. You don't need to be anyone else. You just need to be you, redeemed and driven and honoring God, following Him, and letting Him lead you through whatever it is you're going through because He wants to use you and give you purpose. Last verse, verse 8. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body, uh, and to be present with the Lord. Uh, this is Paul, basically, same thing. Philippians one twenty one. Uh, for to me, to live is Christ; to die is gain. There's nothing to fear. We're dead men walking. Like if, if I'm absent from the body, I'm present with the Lord. So if I'm gone, just like do, he's like, don't even cry for me. I'm good. I'll be with the Lord. If I'm absent from the body, I'm present with the Lord. So don't worry about that. I'm just going to keep living for him and no one will stop me. Nothing is going to stop me. Because I saw him myself. Paul's radical transformation that changed his whole life and and made him willing to not just die, but constantly suffer and die for Jesus. And and what did he see it as? Gain. Gain. He saw it all his gain because he saw people come into the Lord. And he drew closer and closer and saw that he was not crushed. He was not in despair. He was, he was not forsaken. And he was not abandoned. This is an encouragement for people going through hard seasons or not. To trust God, to know he's with you even when it doesn't make sense, even when it's, it's not going like you wanted it to or you thought it would, to trust him, to seek him. Those maybe who haven't been trusting him and you've just been like, I'm just trying to get through this not think about it or I'm trying to numb it out or whatever it is. Everybody's in different places. And honestly, there's no judgment in that. We've all been there in a sense, right? But just to say there's a better way. There's a better way. And it's found in him and and seeking him in the midst of not wasting this time of hard. But letting him use it as a tool to refine you and to bring a heavier and more effective weight of glory. So you'll be able to look back and say, that was a light affliction compared to what God did with it. What I had to endure was nothing compared with what was gained in me. What I became because of it. God, we pray for that to be true with us, and 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 Lord, to not say it flippantly, because man, it is, it is hard. We know it's hard. It's by.